Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The 2021 NFL Draft is finally here. NFL teams will be selecting the hopeful future faces of their franchises. And to help you folks better understand what to expect in the top 10 picks, we put together a show featuring 10 hosts from our network. Tune in as we are going to hear from various names that have insight on who they think should be the pick for various franchises that we'll be selecting in the top 10 of this year's draft. Before we get to that, though, folks, I need to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the place that you need to be going if you're going to be making any bets for the NFL draft. They have every single odd that you need, including prop bets. And if you think that Mac Jones is going to be that third overall pick and you want to put money down on it, go for it. If you think something wild is going to happen, maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be the first overall pick. If you have a weird hunch, might as well put a little bit of money down. The odds are, are going to pay out very, very well if something ends up happening along those lines. But if you're trying to be a little bit more conservative, there's still plenty of other lines that you can take advantage of and have some fun while you're watching the NFL draft. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's take a listen to what our hosts had to say about the top 10 picks. Sitting at the first overall pick, it's pretty obvious who the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be selecting. It feels like since back before the college football season, heck, even back when Trevor Lawrence was a freshman, that we knew he was going to be the first overall pick. Now the Jacksonville Jaguars, by luck, I guess you could consider it by only having one win, are in a position to draft the generational quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So instead of asking you, James, who you think the Jaguars are going to take, there's not much debate right now after all of this time after the draft process. But why do you think that Trevor Lawrence is the clear-cut number one? Why has he always been so far ahead of everybody else? That's a great question, you know, and you can you can go back as far as his high school career in Cartersville to, to dig up the answer for that. Um, but, you know, like, even you can even ask some people, they would go as far as saying even when Trevor Lawrence came out of middle school, he looked like the guy. You know, like even coming out of middle school, they knew he was going to be this this six foot four specimen, this 210 pound guy. They knew even when he got out of middle school, like that dude is destined for the NFL and not just destined for the NFL. He's destined to be a high pick in the draft. And then, you know, it wasn't till later in his college career and, you know, some of his high school career that we started to realize how much of a general generational talent he is. So, yeah, just for him. When you ask that question, it's just a matter of just seeing what he did dating from high school, only losing two games and then going to Ohio State, the big stage, you know. And by the way, I can speak on this because I'm from Georgia. I live in Georgia. Playing high school in Georgia, especially the Atlanta area, is a whole different ball. It's just different. And then for that to transfer when he went to Clemson right off the bat, had success 
freshman uh, played Alabama, right? Was it uh, that he played Alabama and beat as a freshman, uh, went and just exceeded their expectations. I won't even say exceeded them. Like, that's what people expected of him. And he did this while replacing Deshaun Watson. He had a lot of shoes, like some big shoes to fill. That right there told me who he was. Just coming in and basically replacing Deshaun Watson, transferring what he did in Atlanta to what he did in South Carolina, uh, you know, going on and taking on a big SEC. And we all know it's SEC country down here in the South, going on and taking on the SEC and, and, and making it look easy, doing it gracefully. Then you knew that Trevor Lawrence was the guy, even as a freshman. Uh, but, you know, like some people would say, you know, like his other two years won't compare to that or whatever the case may be. Um, but still, nonetheless, along the way, those next two years put together a lot of great film. And as a result, you know, he's the number one pick. Now you can argue that, you know, Justin Fields kind of battled with him along the way at some point there. Uh, but clearly, you know, Trevor Lawrence looks like he is the guy. I um, mean, it's only one more level to prove that he's the guy. at, And that's the NFL. Talking with James Johnson of the Believe in Jaguars podcast, as well as a reporter with Jaguars Wire. James, the other thing that I want to hear about, because again, there's not really many scenarios where they don't take Trevor Lawrence, but for you, what kind of an impact do you think Lawrence is going to have, maybe not only in his first year, but in his career in Jacksonville? What do you think a guy like him can do for a franchise that besides that AFC championship appearance has been a bit snake bitten over the past decade or so? Yeah, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you look at their history, at least in recent history since the 2000s, what's hurt them is just not having the guy at quarterback. And that being said, you know, when you look at what we know about Trevor Lawrence so far, he very well could be, you know, it's a possibility at least that he could be. And a lot of people have made this relation because we know the Colts very well. He could be a Peyton Manning-like figure for Jacksonville. Nobody knew of the Colts really before Peyton Manning got there. Um, and, and you know, like, you, you look at Trevor Lawrence's career in college. Me and you talked about this on our podcast. You know, he he led the uh, – he was at the forefront. Him and Justin Fields saying, hey, we want to play. You know, when it was looking like they weren't going to have a college football season. And, and that being said, that just shows you what kind of a figure he is. And he's long been that figure for college football. So – you know, we feel like there's the potential, you know, in Jacksonville that he could be a Peyton Manning-like figure that could get more eyes on the small market in Jacksonville, not just help them on the field, but get more eyes on them um, in a national way. You know, like just his – this is how impactful getting him is. Just the acquisition of him could get the Jacksonville Jaguars an extra primetime game, you know. And that's crazy because we're used to getting one a year. You know, like it's not – it's just – we just have that mindset, like, hey, look, the NFL is just going to give us one. It'll probably be the Titans or somebody local, you know, maybe the Falcons or or somebody nearby, like the uh, the Bucks if we play the Bucks or the the Miami Dolphins, something like that. Uh, but this year, like, they, there's a belief that, like, hey, we might can get two primetime games just because of this young man. Now, in terms of on the field, I, I think he's going to start immediately, and I think he's going to have – I think it's possible he'll have a great deal of success. And the reason I say that is I look at what Justin Herbert had last year. And I can make the argument that Justin Herbert doesn't have what Trevor Lawrence is getting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Justin Herbert's offensive line PFF ranked them last year 32nd, dead last. The young man still went there and balled out and uh, had one rookie of the year with the worst offensive line statistically in football. Um, Jacksonville 
while their offensive line isn't the best, it's significantly better than what he had over there. You know, I could say, I mean, I think they ranked 22nd, 23rd, something like that on um, PFF, significantly better than what he has. And then you look at the, the weapons on the outside. He's getting James Robinson, who can protect him from injury. Uh, he was fifth in rushing last year. Um, he's also getting LaVisca Chenault, one of the ascending players in the NFL in terms of at the receiver position. DJ Chark, a top four deep threat in football. And, you know, PFF has plenty statistics to back that up. So he's getting that already when he comes into this thing. Yeah, they need a tight end. They need some more pieces here and there. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at it, the Jaguars offense wasn't really the reason they're getting Trevor Lawrence. It was their defense that is the reason that they're getting Trevor Lawrence. That's a good thing for Trevor Lawrence because that means he's going to an area or he's going to a situation where the cupboard isn't bare, so to speak. Well, the Jaguars are in a really good position to possibly turn their luck around with Trevor Lawrence being the clear-cut first overall pick. Folks, make sure you check out the Believe in Jaguars podcast wherever you can find a podcast and follow James at sportsgrind underscore Don. We'll see what happens come draft time for the Jaguars. At the second overall pick, the New York Jets are in a position to start over at the quarterback position after trading away Sam Darnold. Joining me to talk about this Jets pick is one of the hosts of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, Alex Gilstrap. So Alex, this situation here, there's a lot of heavy speculation that it's going to be Zach Wilson out of BYU as the next quarterback for the New York Jets. Are you buying into this hype? Do you think that it is serious when team when, when reporters are saying that Zach Wilson is going to be their guy? Yeah, it seemed to become just simply flat out fact. And and you know, no one's even even arguing the fact that Zach Wilson's gonna be the pick at number two. And I don't I don't personally think that that would still be the case this deep into draft season if there's any doubt that that was not going to be the pick. So uh, would I be surprised if they went in a different direction? No, there's four quarterbacks, I think, that are worthy of a top two selection, you know, with the New York Jets. And, you know, you have Justin Fields, who I think could be a very, you know, in, in the New York market could be a very good quarterback option. But everything we're hearing there hasn't been anything else saying otherwise that it's going to be Zach Wilson. So at this point, for as long as that's been the case, I do think uh, Zach Wilson's going to be the pick at number two. So I understand, and, and we did this when we talked about it, when we did our mock draft episode, you talked a little bit about how you don't really think Zach Wilson is the best, second best quarterback in this class. If you had to make the case for another quarterback, maybe it's Trey Lance, maybe it's Justin Fields, who would you pick in this scenario if they avoided going for Zach Wilson? Yeah, for me, I think, like I said a second ago, there are four quarterbacks worthy of potentially being the number one quarterback taken in some draft classes. That's just how deep this class is. And for me, Justin Fields would be the guy. Uh, you've seen it for longer. You've seen two years of good production where Zach Wilson, you know, the the multi-year starter, had some injury concerns and and didn't have the same level of play in 2018 and 2019 when he started for BYU, as you saw in 2020. There is some um, level of competition concerns with the the COVID schedule that they had this year, the limited schedule. Um, you know, there there is some there is some question marks to be had there as far as not only his shoulder health because he he has gone through the shoulder problems, but just that level of consistency when that level of competition does raise from the BYU schedule of 2020 to the NFL. For me, it's Justin Fields, like I said. Uh, you know, for me, uh, just the level of play from high school all the way to where he is today 
you've just seen a consistent player. I mean, he's had his bad games, but so has Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is the unquestioned quarterback one in this year's class and probably of the last few years easily. So, you know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, both immaculate talents, you know, talk about the arm talent, talk about the athleticism. Zach Wilson has some great athleticism. The way that he can work out of structure is just fantastic. So, like I said, all four of these quarterbacks are worthy of a top 10 pick. The fact that it's probably going to be Zach Wilson doesn't surprise me necessarily because of the way the quarterback position is is going and that creativity being such a such a you know hot commodity at the quarterback position. But for me, it would be Justin Fields. I think you have better you know better physical tools both from an athleticism standpoint and a uh, and a physical standpoint from the arm arm strength perspective. And then that with with the ability to I, I think an underrated aspect of his game and people talk down on with Justin Fields is his ability to to scan the field read the field you know so I, I think he, I think he's got a negative rap for his ability to read defenses that that's unwarranted so for me it would be Justin Fields at number two overall Zach Wilson's not a bad selection in my opinion though well, folks, make sure you check out the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast wherever you find a podcast. Also, follow Alex on Twitter, at Alex Gilstrap. We'll see if Zach Wilson is the pick for the New York Jets come draft time. San Francisco 49ers were one of the most aggressive teams at the start of this draft cycle, trading up all the way to the third spot, and it seems like they might be moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo and drafting a new quarterback. Joining me to talk about the San Francisco 49ers possible selection at the third overall pick is one of the hosts of the Charity Stripe podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, Josh Fisher, also a producer. Josh, we keep hearing all of these different possibilities, and it seems like the popular one right now is Mac Jones. Do you buy into the Mac Jones hype, or are you not sold on it? It's not even the buying into the hype of Mac Jones. It's probably more so that I'm kind of perplexed that someone's moving up to get a guy like Mac Jones. Um, when there's guys like Trey Lance who has the upside that everyone's oozing for and a guy like Justin Fields who was incredible in college and honestly before the season started – was the number two guy in this class. It was supposed to be Trevor Lawrence and it was supposed to be Justin Fields. Um, now, last year we saw it was Tank for Tua and then it ended up being Joe Burrow as a no-brainer. So things flip-flop all the time. Zach Wilson's going number two to the Jets. Not a secret at this point. Obviously, Trevor's going number one. Um, it's not that I don't like Mac Jones. Obviously, he's incredibly accurate. Quick decisions, gets the ball out insanely quick. I am like semi-weary and I hate to do this because obviously... Ohio State's a wagon as well, but Alabama's a farm. It's Leatherwood's going in the first or second round. Landon Dickerson's going in the first or second round. You were talking about two receivers who are going in the top 15, the first running back off the board. I mean, this team is so is oozing with talent, was so head and shoulders above everybody else. So it's kind of tough to say LSU's on a down year. It was a weird year last year. Can you really trust the numbers? I liked him when he kind of filled in for two. I'm like, okay, this kid's good. He's got some stuff. And as he went on throughout the season, I'm like, he's going to be a legit quarterback prospect. But do you move up all the way from the 12 and not just move up from the 12 to the three, you give up two more first round picks, a third round pick. You're giving up a bevy of picks to go up there. Or you're going up for a guy, Mac Jones, who had that one year at Alabama. Or do you go for the guy who everyone's saying could be the next Mahomes? And I'm not like one of those people that's like the next this, the next that. Because after Andrew Wiggins was supposed to be the next LeBron and couldn't be anything farther from that, I'm done with those comparisons. Do it first and then we'll say the next. Um, but I'd be surprised if they moved up to get 
Mac Jones? Because it's not like, what's the big difference between Mac Jones and Garoppolo, except that Garoppolo is just hurt all the time. It's the same kind of quarterback. You're moving up to get something different. Obviously, you want to move on from Jimmy, Jimmy G's deal. You want to move to a situation where you have that rookie deal and can start paying other people around him because you have to pay Nick Bosa eventually. You know, guys around him on defense are going to have to get paid. And it's like, look, what the Rams did is the Rams had golf on that rookie deal. They were able to pay everybody around him and really build a Super Bowl caliber team that, you know, almost went all the way. And for the Niners, I think they're two years away removed from the Super Bowl. They were in great position for most of the game, ended up losing, obviously, to the Chiefs. Jimmy G was a guy that we threw eight times, seven times to beat the Packers. Everyone always talks about it. You don't really have to do much if everything's clicking, everything's healthy. Now, Sal is gone. Obviously, he's on the Jets uh, as the head coach. The defense is going to be a bit different. Um, But I think the Niners really should be up there to get one of Lance and one of Fields. It's, I, I just have a tough time about how are you not going to take fields? I just, it's so weird. Like, how are you not going to take the guy who like we're two years, again, two years removed from, he went like 40 touchdowns in one pick throughout the entire season. His numbers are insane. He has the speed that you want. He's good on the RPO. Um, he's not great. You know, if it knocks on him in the pocket, he locks onto one receiver too much. Um, he kind of loses defenders here and there. Young quarterback. I think Shanahan's system is very run heavy. You have Kittle, who everyone, you know, obviously is a great receiving tight end, but he's a game changer when it comes to blocking. You pretty much, you pretty much have a six offensive lineman out there. Um, you really locked up Trent Williams. So you've, you spend capital there and money and you have running backs. I think Ayuk is a good twitchy receiver that'll fit well with fields. I, I just think, you know, if you want to win now and win quicker and you want the guy that's going to really be a game changer that you would know that can really come in and get it done. I think it's, I think it's fields and I'm not buying this. Oh, the Ohio state quarterback. Cause like it's Dwayne Haskins and there's no other real example. So if you had to pick between the, between Trey Lance and Justin Fields, cause it sounds like you're out on Mac Jones completely, which I'm in the same boat as you. Do you think it's going to be fields over Trey Lance or do you think it should be? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because like, Trey Lance, you take him and you could do the, it just opens up many doors. So let's say Jimmy G's really good and you know, you're not going to play Trey Lance right away. You shouldn't play anybody right away. It's Herbert was an anomaly. Tua clearly wasn't ready. And I don't think, and now everyone's like, oh, trying to, you know, burn, burn the Tua house to the ground. I don't, guy, take guys carry clipboard for a while. The record holder for most interceptions by a rookie is Peyton Manning. It's a huge adjustment to the NFL. So guys should sit behind the quarterback. And, you know, Lance is going to have to do it. You take Lance, Jimmy G is good. Guess what? You can move Lance. I think the love thing, look, we saw that like the leaked photo of love to the Patriots. I think it's legit. I don't think New England, not to get too off topic, but I don't think I'm a, but I'm a Pats fan. And I'd be shocked if New England's moving up and giving up a first-round pick next year. Belichick loves getting picks, giving up picks. It's rare that he does that. Moving up to get a quarterback I think he'd rather move back. I think it's a contingency plan over there where if Devonta Smith's still there at 15, the Packers move up, get him. The Patriots get Jordan Love in the 29th and they move back. I think it's a contingency plan. I think it's legit. I think, you know, I'd be, again, like going back to the Niners, it really would shock me if the guy they moved up for was Mac Jones. They can get Trey Lance, sit him behind Jimmy G. If Jimmy G stinks, you put in Trey Lance. If Jimmy G is good, you could trade Trey Lance or you could keep him, still get him, get him more seasoning. Steve Young was behind Montana for years. Rogers behind Far for years. It, I mean, it works. You know, right? Brady, like Brady carried the clipboard, right? And there's there's plenty of opportunities and, and options for them here in this draft class. They have three guys essentially to pick from because the first two picks are going to be Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. After that, 
we're going to be a little bit surprised on who that name ends up being. Folks, make sure you check out the Charity Stripe wherever you can find your podcasts and also head to Believe.com. On to the fourth overall pick as the Atlanta Falcons are in a perplexing situation as they have an older quarterback with Matt Ryan, but they also need to protect him if they want to gear up for maybe one or two final runs to maybe aim for another Super Bowl. So joining me now is the host of the Believe in Falcons podcast, William McFadden. Will, I got to ask you here, do you think at that four spot, if they end up staying and there's been speculation on maybe trading out of this spot, but for the sake of this argument here, if they stay at four, do you think that there's a chance that they maybe go quarterback here if somebody they like is available to maybe work towards a new future? Or is this all Matt Ryan, all go, we're trying to win a Super Bowl? Uh, I definitely think quarterback is in play and on the table. Um, I think it would be foolish for it not to be. And that's no slight to Matt Ryan, who I still think is playing at an extremely high level. I've you know, seen him up close, how he works. Uh, absolutely what you want as a franchise quarterback. He puts in the time away from the facility. He, you know, I remember a story one time where he essentially hired a driver to drive him up to the team facility every morning so that he could sit in the back and study the playbook and go over the film and just find that extra time in his day to get even more work done. I mean, that's the type of worker Matt Ryan is. So if there's anybody who can continue to play at a high level, like Philip Rivers or, or Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, like Matt Ryan fits to me that type of quarterback who can play well, you know, up to around his 40s. That being said, it's a new regime in place and they owe it to themselves to set the future up the best way possible. And to me, that's taking a quarterback in a very quarterback rich class. It appears to be, you know, it's not every year that we see a a group of quarterbacks coming out that are as talented as this group of quarterbacks. And frankly, the Falcons are kind of lucky to even be in the top five, you know, the way their season went, if Todd Gurley doesn't fall into the end zone against Detroit and and score that touchdown that ultimately cost them the game, they're not, in the top five, they're probably eight or nine. And and then we're sitting here saying, should they trade up to maybe go get one of these quarterbacks? So given the situation that they're in and the status of, of Matt Ryan being towards the end of his contract and towards the end of what is a great career, I think that a new regime should set themselves up by just taking one of the top quarterbacks. Now, let's say for the sake of argument, they maybe don't go quarterback at that four position that they're currently in. And they do say, hey, we're going to build around Matt Ryan. We've got maybe a few more years left of this talented, veteran, hardworking quarterback. What do you think the pick would be if they chose to make that decision? Do you think it's going to be Penny Sewell? Do you think it's going to be Kyle Pitts? What do you think is the best move for them if they want to work towards another Super Bowl run? Yeah, that's a great question. And frankly, it as lucky as the Falcons were to kind of be in the top five, this is such a bad draft for their specific needs. And I know general manager Terry Fondo has said that his strategy and his philosophy is always going to be best player available. But this is a team that's, you know, not the cupboard's not empty on offense. It's really the defensive side of the ball where they need a lot of help, but this is not a very good defensive draft at least in kind of the top 10 it's really really offense heavy and so if they were not going to go quarterback and they were going to go best player available I I 
think, and this is obviously the uh, obvious answer, is Kyle Pitts is kind of the guy that everybody is saying could be maybe the most talented prospect, regardless of position in this draft. It's just that quarterbacks are weighted so heavily, you know, that they're going to go one, two, three, maybe one, two, three, four. So the offensive line for Atlanta has been a, a real area of emphasis over the past couple of off seasons. And so they're in good enough shape right now where I don't think the offensive tackles in this draft as good as I really think, you know, um, Rashawn Slater and Panay Sewell are. I just don't know if that's the biggest kind of area for the Falcons to address. And I know that Arthur Smith historically, you know, in Tennessee, he really liked that 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field and one running back. If you draft Kyle Pitts, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at a 12 personnel package that features Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's about as loaded a passing attack as you could get out of what is a run-oriented personnel grouping. So you're automatically going to create a mismatch there by getting the defense in a probably a bigger, heavier personnel set. And then you can still basically go four wide out of a condensed look if you draft Kyle Pitts. And so anytime you're able to draft a player who legitimately has all pro upside and is just breaking the standards for what we've seen at the position, that's not a bad pick at number four. Yeah, plethora of options for them as they can go quarterback, maybe go Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell. They're really not in a bad spot. Folks, make sure to check out the Believe in Falcons podcast as they're going to be debuting their first episode very, very soon. And also make sure you stay up to date on all their content by hitting that subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Last season, the, the Cincinnati Bengals were able to get their franchise quarterback of the future with Joe Burrow, but he suffered a season-ending knee injury that impacted his rookie season. The Bengals now picking at the five spot are in a position to build around him, whether it be with a receiver or an offensive lineman. Joining me to talk about this situation for the Bengals is Daddio from Believe in the number one Bengals podcast. So what do you think? Do you think this is going to be offensive weapon or offensive lineman for the Bengals? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you very much. It's a great honor. Always wanted to be on your show. But I will say this. Look, it's pretty clear to those who follow the team, like I do, well, I have to do, it's my job, that they are leaning towards taking the Kalishnikov winner uh, in 2019, uh, who is only 19 years old, Jamar Chase, who played with Joe Burrow. And this guy is an elite receiver who is, you know, he's so strong at making catches. He's got the route running. And now he tested with a really great 40 time. And yeah, and I mean, so so we basically he has checked all the marks. So it looks like he is going to be the pick uh, because look, they, they still like Penai Sewell. Let's, let's not be... Uh, Let's be clear about that. Duke Tobin just came out today and he praised both of them. He's the de facto GM. We can't afford the real general manager. So we just have, yeah, he's a family friend who acts as the GM. And so look, he basically praised both of them. And Penai, the only question that some people have is his short arms. But I don't really understand because he has the, the foot quickness. His feet are very quick. He gets his shoes you know, on and off like faster than anybody. And he's got that strength where he can recover. So the arm thing, I mean, look, if he was trying to pick berries, you know, from the tallest branch or he was trying to, I don't know, he was like the flag bearer because where I'm from, those are very valuable. That's a very honorable position. 
to have long arms, but it's different in today's NFL. So, so it could go either way, but the insiders are leaning Jamar Chase, yeah. So as you said, they're leaning towards Jamar Chase. Do you think that connection of Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and how well they did in that historic season that Joe Burrow had when he won the Heisman, do you think that's enough for him to end up being the pick for the Bengals? You know, Duke Tobin said it's not about Joe. Uh, he doesn't make the call. He hasn't heard anything from Joe. We never know. We never know if they're being honest. But I would say this. Yeah, there's the connection, and Joe does want him. Like, there was an interview he had the other day, and he was uh, smiling. And he said, look, we're the same type of guy. We both work really hard. You know, they both love football. But uh, basically, Joe Burrow is the reason we would take offensive line at the same time, right? I mean, because we want to protect Joe. We don't want him to get, you know, I learned about so many new knee ligaments from Joe Burrow's injury. I didn't know we had that many ligaments. That's how many he tore, okay? And, uh, and so we don't want that to happen again. And that's for his sake. So I, I think either pick is going to be for Joe. One might be the one his emotions want. The other might be the one that uh, the team says is best for him. All right, awesome. So we've got a couple options here for the Bengals. Seems like they're going to be narrowing, narrowing it down between the two players, Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase. We'll see what happens come draft time for the Bengals. Make sure, folks, you check out the number one Bengals podcast wherever you find your podcasts. The Miami Dolphins previously held the third overall pick after making a trade with the San Francisco 49ers. They moved all the way back to 12, only to move back up to six, now back in the top 10. So the Miami Dolphins in a position to clearly go after somebody that they're very, very interested in and here to talk with me about the Miami Dolphins possible selection at sixth overall is NFL Draft Prospects podcast host Ryan Roberts. Ryan, we got to talk about these crazy moves because it's it's not normal for a team to move up, sorry, move back and then back up again to a point where they can be picking in the top 10 despite trading out of the top 10. So, Ryan, why do you think that they made these moves? Why do you think that they felt the need to move back and then all the way back up to six? There's clearly somebody on their mind. Well, it, it is very unusual, and it's even more unusual when you add in that it happened on the same day. You know, back to back, these moves happened almost simultaneously. Like they kind of knew they had a. It's it's like the draft day thing, right? Like they knew they had the next move ready to go. So it makes a lot of sense because I think that they're really targeting a pass catcher. So at the third overall pick, like you you are guaranteed to get your guy, but for these quarterback needy teams, they're going to overpay to come up. So the San Francisco 49ers come up nine spots. You get two first-round picks out of the deal, which is great compensation because obviously they're making a big jump. And I think that when they were in the conversation with the Eagles, when they're like, yes, you can jump back up six spots into the top ten to number six overall pick, and it will only cost you a first-round pick, I think at that point they're like, ha, okay, so if we get up to six, if we're at 12, we might get a pass catcher that we really like. But if we're at six, we might have the option of three guys that we might potentially might like. So I think that that was just the price of the moves really just dictated the move. I honestly think that the no-brainer to move back, but then when they saw that the asking price wasn't that outrageous from the Eagles to move back to number six, I feel like they just really valued the ability to maybe pick which pass catcher they wanted. So speaking on those pass catchers, who do you think is going to be the pick at sixth overall? Is there somebody that makes the most sense out of the group? Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, 
Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase. Is there one guy in particular that you think is going to be the clear-cut favorite? I think that there's three pass catchers that are going to be really excited about and that are going to stand above the rest. I think that one is Kyle Pitts, the tight end for Florida. I think one is Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU, and then Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver from Alabama. With how the board is going to fall, I believe that one of those pass catchers may be off the board with either the Atlanta Falcons or Cincinnati Bengals. I think that there's only going to be one wide receiver, though, in those first five picks. So they're going to get whoever is the best out of the final two for me. I think ultimately, if Kyle Pitts is on the board, they're going to go Kyle Pitts. I think that he is the best prospect of the three. And although it's not a perfect fit, I think that that would outweigh trying to make a schematically the best decision. But if it comes down to Jalen Waddle and, and uh, Jamar Chase, I do believe it's going to be Jalen Waddle, just because I think that he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board. I think speed always sells. We saw last year with how condensed everything was with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, no amount of separation. You add in Will Fuller, continuing to add in a guy that can create instant separation like a Jalen Waddle, I think will ultimately win out if Kyle Pitts is off the board. Folks, make sure you go and check out the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast hosted by me, Ryan, and Alex Gilstrap for more NFL Draft content. We'll see what happens with the Miami Dolphins come draft time. This offseason, the Detroit Lions made a move to trade for Jared Goff, moving on from Matthew Stafford. Now they sit at the seventh overall pick, and here to discuss that selection in the 2021 NFL Draft is J-Boy, the host of the J-Boy Show. Folks... We need to know about this Lions pick here because there's a lot of directions that they could possibly go in. Do they maybe still draft a quarterback? There's been speculation that they're not sold 100% on Jared Goff and it was just a momentary move. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that they maybe still consider one at the seventh spot? You know, I, it's a great question. And, and listen, I'm all for having depth at quarterback. But making that move for Jared Goff, to me, uh, to put that as a momentary move, uh it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think they're going to give him a chance. I think you got to give that guy a chance. Uh, I thought it was an interesting move. It is what it is now. But now that you've got that guy, you got to get him some weapons. And that doesn't necessarily mean wide receivers or running backs. That can mean help up front. Because, again, the better you are up front, the better the quarterback's going to be. You build the team from the inside out. At least that's what the best teams are. So I expect them to get, get a position that's not the quarterback and give Jared a chance. Now, if they don't, if they decide to go in that direction, they decide they need to fix some other holes because right now this roster has a lot of issues. Jeff Okuda was a pretty good rookie, but they need to fix a ton of stuff. Who do you think makes the most sense if they end up staying in this seven spot? You know, I think there's a couple guys. Obviously, Penny Sewell, uh, the offensive lineman out of Oregon, he's graded really high. I, I think he's got the lowest bust ability. Uh, it gives you a, a chance to get that offensive line anchored to give you something feeling good about going into the year. Uh, we all know everybody's looking for quality linemen, and this is a guy that you could get at tackle uh, that could be could be somebody could be a staple of your team, so you don't have to worry about going to get another one, and you can really start to build around. And I mentioned building inside out. But if they decided not to go that direction, if Sertan is still there, uh, which I don't think he's going to be, uh, if they do stay at seven, 
He's the guy I would take. That way you can kick Jeff Akuda to the other side. You know, Akuda struggled a little bit. He was a rookie, kind of getting his feet wet. But what a better way to help him out by getting a guy on the other side uh, that they feel good about to kind of even out themselves at the corner position. Obviously, Terrace Marshall's uh, a guy in that second round they've looked at. I don't mean to digress at the wide receiver spot. So would that affect that first pick if you think a guy like that's still going to be there? Uh, so I think look at Penny Sewell, look at Sertan. Uh, to me, they could be right going a lot of different ways but I would really feel good as a fan if they got Sewell, in my opinion. Yeah, the Lions are another one of those wild card teams in the top 10 that could go in so many different directions. Could be the first corner off the board, could be the first receiver. Folks, make sure you go and check out the J-Boy Show on Twitter at the J-Boy Show and wherever you find your podcasts. We'll see what happens with that Lions pick. The Carolina Panthers were able to go and get their guy trading for quarterback Sam Darnold from the New York Jets, effectively taking them off the table for possibly drafting one of the top five quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Now, there's still plenty of options for them to go. Do they trade back? Do they draft a guy like Micah Parsons or one of these corners? And joining me to, d- to discuss the Carolina Panthers options is the host of the Believe in Panthers show, Desmond Johnson. Desmond, what do you think are the options here? Do you think that they should trade back out of this spot? Do you think that's in their best interest considering some of these quarterback hungry teams? Well, what I think they should do is probably different than what uh, head coach Matt Rule and general manager Scott Fitter are probably planning to do. Uh, I have to think that all of these moves that they've made over the past month or so have uh, have been with a purpose, almost like building the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like all of it has a piece in terms of what's going to be at the very end. And uh, I don't know for sure that signing Sam Darnold means they're off the the board for a quarterback. Uh, actually, Fitterer mentioned uh, when they had their press conference a week or so ago after they signed Sam Darnold that that that, did, that didn't negate them potentially looking at a quarterback. And then they ended up going to Justin Fields' second pro day anyway. So I, I think what they're doing, I think they're going to hold on to the eighth pick until first round draft day and basically see what happens with the board. They're in a position where they can kind of wait and see what happens. Um, the player I think that they want is Kyle Pitts from Florida, the tight end. Um, they've had multiple conversations with him via zoom uh, Pitts put out there that he had spoke to Matt rule a couple of times. He would fit perfectly in Joe Brady's offense. They don't really have a top flight tight end. And it feels as if Pitts is that one guy in this draft. that's like the athlete that everybody is kind of coveting. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to get past Atlanta at four. It, it really depends on what Atlanta wants to do uh, with quarterback, with a new head coach. Do you stick with Matt Ryan for another couple of years, or do you go ahead and draft a guy? Uh, or, or, or I should say, do you get Kyle Pitts for Matt Ryan, uh, basically saying you're going to be with Matt Ryan for the next couple of years? But if one of those quarterbacks is still there at four, which they would be, uh, I don't know if Atlanta skips that QB. If Atlanta skips that QB, then Pitts might be in play uh, for the Panthers at eight. And I could see them even moving up a a step or two to go get him if he gets past four. But if he doesn't, personally, I think the Panthers should trade down. Um, At eight, at that point, they've kind of filled in all the spots free agent-wise for depth. And really, that was their Achilles heel last year. They didn't have enough depth on their roster when they started getting injured. So at eight, there's really not a lot of difference between the 12th pick of the draft and the 35th pick of the draft, in my opinion. Uh, just comes down to your scout department. So I think that they would move back, get, pick up some extra picks, and start to replenish some of these other spots you don't really need to get in the first round. Now, let's say that they stay in that eighth spot and they're not considering taking a quarterback, and Kyle Pitts is not available and on the board. Those are a lot of possible situations. Most of them are likely that they end up happening. 
There's a number of directions, though, that the Panthers could now go in. Do they draft a corner like J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain? Do they go receiver and hope a guy like Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase is still available? In any of these scenarios, who do you think is going to be the guy if they sit at eight and their best available options, the guys that they're really eyeing, like Kyle Pitts, are no longer available? Probably one of the left tackles, uh, either Panay Sewell from uh, 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 Slips. He's the highest rated uh, tackle on the board, basically. And then Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. If one of those two guys are still sitting there and the Panthers have them high on their draft board, I can see the Panthers staying put and, and using that pick for it. However, again, going back to the whole maybe they should trade down thing, Panther fans need to keep in mind the track record of the current general manager. He came from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, up until last year, the Seahawks had traded down from their original first-round pick for eight consecutive years. Last year broke that streak. So uh, if, they, if there's a guy they're coveting and that guy's gone by the time you get to eight, but there's still maybe a couple of quarterbacks on the board and say the Patriots or somebody are looking to move up into the top ten, uh, and at that point they wouldn't have to give up as much as if they did it, say, tomorrow, then, uh, yeah, I could easily see uh, the Panthers drafting one of those left tackles instead. If they're not there, if Pitts is gone, uh, if they're not high on, say, Justin Fields or someone like that, who one of these quarterbacks is going to drop. It's just going to happen. It's not going to be one, two, three, four. Like, that's just, it's crazy talk <laughs> to think that that's going to happen that way. So one of these guys is going to have Aaron Rodgers fall through the first round. Do the Panthers take a flyer on him knowing they've got Darnold? Although they don't have to extend Darnold to this fifth-year extension. It can be a tryout year for him, too. So they've kind of left it where it's a year-by-year type thing, and it's given them flexibility in the draft to do whatever they want. So long story short, we have no idea what the Panthers are going to do in the <laughs> draft. They could go, they could go 15 different directions, and either way would help the team. Um, I think it's too high for a cornerback. Uh, if they're looking at a cornerback, they could trade down to the teens and get someone like Asante Samuel Jr., uh, who would be a day-one starter, and, and they could pick up some picks beside it. Um, I don't know about wide receiver. They did lose Curtis Samuel to the Red, uh, the Washington football team, excuse me. And uh, if there's a guy there like, uh, you know, Devontae Smith or someone that they feel really high about, they might do that too. Although I don't really see the Panthers drafting a wide receiver in the first round because there's just so many of them. So uh, long story short, we have no clue. I hope it's uh, hope it's a day one starter. It should be. They've got a lot of different choices they can make here. I don't really see a way for them to screw this up, although – We've seen that happen. So <laughs> cross your fingers, Panther fans. I think that uh, they should do a good job during the draft. Yeah, the Panthers are definitely one of those teams in the top 10, one of the few that it's really hard to pinpoint what direction they're going to go in. Whatever they decide to do can really impact that range of 10 to 20 right after the Panthers pick. Folks, make sure you go and check out Believe in Panthers for all of your NFL draft content surrounding the Carolina Panthers. Also, make sure you check out the remainder of our NFL Draft content here on the Believe Podcast Network. Sitting at the ninth overall pick, the Denver Broncos are in a position to possibly get their quarterback of the future with rumors surrounding them potentially trading up. Joining us to discuss the ninth overall pick for the Denver Broncos is Believe in Broncos host Troy Rink, also a Broncos insider and a Denver 7 reporter. So, Troy, we're starting to hear a lot of possibilities of the Broncos moving up to that maybe four spot where the Atlanta Falcons are picking. First of all, if that does happen, and if and it seems likely at this point, who do you think they end up trading up for? We already pretty much know that those first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. So who do you think ends up being the fourth one if the Broncos move up? 
Yeah, I, I just don't think they have the stomach to move up to four and give up multiple ones. And George Payton's first move as a GM that would require so much draft capital. If they miss, he's really put himself you know, up against the, the eight ball in year two, sitting there without a first rounder if they go six and 11 this season. But I do think they will move up. If they were to move up to four for this exercise, I do believe it would be for Justin Fields. Uh, I think they would give him a slight net nudge over Trey Lance. But that could go either way. I just Fields is more ready to play now. He could push Drew Locke. And the reason I say Fields over Lance in this scenario, if they were to move up to four, is because George Payton, the new GM, has made it clear he wants competition for Drew Locke in the quarterback room. Trey Lance, as a 20-year-old, he turns 21 in May. I'm not sure he could push Drew Locke in training camp. Justin Fields, I think, could push him. I could see Locke winning it with Fields being available early to midway through the season. But there's clear by all of their posture this offseason that they are very interested in getting a quarterback in the first round. I just think four might be too heavy of a price. Six it makes more sense. In my latest mock, I have them moving up to seven, which would have cost them a third this year and a second and third next year. So they would still hold on to their number one pick in my scenario and grab Justin Fields at seven. But Fields and Lance are certainly both in play here. Yeah, it seems like right now the Broncos are trying to find that successor and possibly move on from Drew Locke. We don't know that for a guarantee, but the signs are pointing in that direction. Now, say things don't work out, they can't find a trade partner, they end up sitting at nine where they're originally intending to pick. Now, if maybe all the quarterbacks are gone, maybe they're stuck at this pick, as I said, who do you then think if they remain in this spot makes the most sense and who, who could be a really good fit for the Denver Broncos? Yeah, in that scenario, I would see they would sign someone like Teddy Bridgewater after he gets cut by the Patriots, or excuse me, the Panthers. They have a veteran backup. Doesn't do a lot for me. It's kind of shrugged shoulders. You know, he's pretty much a khaki pants quarterback, good decision guy. But he would certainly have the capability to come in relief or maybe even beat out Drew Locke. But if they stay at nine and it's not a quarterback, which is certainly possible, I think the best fit is linebacker Micah Parsons for Penn State. In this scenario, they would likely have the best defensive player on the board if the draft falls like you know most of us expect. So you would be looking at Micah Parsons or Patrick Sertan from Alabama. You're saying, why, why a corner? They signed Kyle Fuller. They signed Ronald Darby. Yes, Fuller's on a one-year deal. Bryce Callahan is essentially on a one-year deal. So you could need a new corner after this year so you could bring Sertan in. But I think if they go non-quarterback and they stay at nine, which is possible – they would take Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. So obviously a bunch of different options for the Broncos to go here. I think they're one of the wild card picks here in the top 10, either quarterback, maybe they go defense. But if the Broncos, a lot of scenarios for them to possibly go in the spot that they're sitting at. Make sure, folks, you check out Believe in Broncos wherever you can find a podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and also give Troy a follow on social media. Troy, what's your uh, Twitter handle? At Troy Rink, T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K. That's where I get most of my interaction with uh, followers and listeners and readers and viewers. So, yes, check me out there. If you got a question, I try to answer most of them. All right, folks, make sure you give them a follow for more Denver Broncos content. Last season, the Dallas Cowboys lost Dak Prescott, ultimately ending their season and pushing them into the top 10 of the NFL draft order. 
Right now, though, we're starting to hear a lot of potential for the Dallas Cowboys to possibly take Kyle Pitts. And here to talk about their draft scenarios is the host of the Believe in Cowboys uh, podcast, Paul Catalina. So, Paul, we keep hearing that Jerry Jones loves Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Do you think that it might make sense for them to trade up and go get a guy like Kyle Pitts or maybe defense is a better direction? Well, of course, Jerry Jones likes Kyle Pitts. Jerry Jones likes toys. Like if you look at Jerry Jones would be that guy and he, he kind of is in his, his normal life, but he'd be that guy that if, if all of a sudden, you know, he won the lottery, if he wasn't Jerry Jones, but if he had like the first thing he would do is buy, you know, 10 different Ferraris, not the same Ferrari, 10 different Ferraris that do different things, you know, or a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and a Porsche and a Hummer and, you know, like all those different things, he would get all the different cars. So uh, I think there's no doubt he loves Kyle Pitts. And there's no doubt that if given the opportunity, if Kyle Pitts fell to 10, they would draft him. I don't think it's wise for them to move up to draft Kyle Pitts, considering that teams will go quarterback crazy in this draft. And there's five guys who will go in the first round, most people think, and three of them in the top three. And then after that, if you get teams that don't need a quarterback or don't take a quarterback, you know, that fourth pick is interesting. The sixth pick is interesting, you know, and, and what goes on. But if you get to the 10th pick and that fourth or fifth guy hasn't been taken yet, if you're the Cowboys, I think, you know, unless Kyle Pitts somehow miraculously fell to you at 10, you don't take him. You sit there and and maybe trade back uh, if, if that was the option. But I, I think that the best option, because that defense was the worst in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. That's been around since 1960. So the last time the defense was that bad, John F. Kennedy was still alive. You know, um, you know, Americans uh, had were still able at that point to go to Cuba uh, and vacation. <laughs> uh, you know, um, televisions had three channels and and maybe we're just starting to color. So that's how long it's been since they had a defense that bad. And they've had some bad ones in that time. But uh they need, they need help on defense, lots of help on defense. So speaking of defense, and let's say for our argument's sake that they stay in that 10 spot, they don't move, Kyle Pitts is gone, and again, we're talking about defense here. It seems like that's probably their best direction to go if they stay. Who do you think out of the available prospects would be a really good fit for the Cowboys? I think based on Dan Quinn's defense, the fact that he likes big, tall cornerbacks or big cornerbacks, guys are six feet tall, 5'11", six feet tall, you know, I mean, look, Richard Sherman's what, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, you know, big, big, tall guys. I think Patrick Sertan fits that mold. I think J.C. Horn fits that mold. Um, I think they need linebackers. I think Micah Parsons fit. So I don't know if he's a 10th overall pick, seeing as he was an opt-out. But um, they need, like, there's not a position you could tell me on defense. And I'd be like, no, what are you doing? But mostly for the guys who are available at 10, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, are the ones that I, I like the most on defense that'll help them right away. And Patrick Sertan and Trayvon Diggs were teammates at Alabama. Uh, and so I think that's a nice, that'd be kind of a cool thing to do. Uh, it worked out well for Alabama when both of them were there. So, you know, not to say that the same thing's going to happen, but, you know, I, I like their odds. Well, hopefully the Cowboys are able to find that strong defensive piece at that 10th overall pick. Folks, make sure you go and check out the Believe in Cowboys podcast and stay up to date on everything Cowboys with Paul Catalina. 
Folks, thank you for tuning in to the Believe Podcast Network Draft Special. Make sure you head to Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V, to find all of these shows that you just heard from their hosts, as well as our full library featuring hundreds of fantastic podcasts covering as many topics as you could expect, especially specific shows about your favorite team. You can name it. We have shows for it featuring former athletes that played for those teams. Thanks for tuning in again, folks. Enjoy the draft, and you'll hear from us again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.